Hello, this is the Saucer Afterlife, where we take a little extra look at some of the topics that we alluded to or might not have had time to cover in the regular episode of the Saucer Life. And in this uh, in this episode, in this instance, we're going to talk a little bit about Orson Welles' The War of the Worlds broadcast, particularly uh, Bill Cooper's take on uh, on this. Uh, as I said in the uh, in, when I discussed it briefly on the regular episode, our Radio Days episode, Cooper believed that the War of the Worlds broadcast was part of a globalist conspiracy to usher in the New World Order, because, you know, it's Bill Cooper. And he talked about it a couple of times. Once was on a, an episode of Hour of the Time from September uh, 1995. During this episode, he played the entire War of the Worlds broadcast, bookending it with his comments. Even I'm not lazy enough to do something like that. I will, however, share Cooper's opening comments from that episode. In 1917, John Dewey said at a dinner given for Viscount Ishii and the Imperial Japanese delegation, and I quote, The best way to unite all humanity in a one world government and do away with wars forever if we were invaded by some other species from some other planet. This hypothesis was put to the test on October the 30th, 1938, when the Mercury Theater aired War of the Worlds and it proved that it would work. In 1947, near Roswell, New Mexico, a group of Army and Army Air Corps intelligence officers sprinkled debris over the desert and planted several shaved and surgically altered monkeys. And today, blatant and incredible stories proliferate of alien abductions and outright and total phonies like Don Ecker perpetuate the menace of the alien threat. It is not an hour of the time episode about UFOs if there isn't some kind of slander of Don Ecker somewhere in there. Anyway, he'd returned to the subject of the War of the Worlds several times, and he did so most thoroughly in November uh, of 1998, particularly November 2nd, 1998. Why he didn't, why he didn't, you know, do it three days earlier on the actual, you know, anniversary of the broadcast, I have no idea. The broadcast, ladies and gentlemen, was a psychological warfare experiment conducted by the Princeton Radio Project. The Rockefeller Foundation funded the project in the fall of 1937. An office of radio research was set up with Paul F. Lazarsfeld as director and Frank Stanton and Hanley Crentrill as associate directors. Cantrell used a special grant from the General Education Board to study the effects of the broadcast. Cantrell published the study as a book titled The Invasion from Mars, A Study in the Psychology of Panic. It contains a complete script of the broadcast. The book is one of a series of studies sponsored by the Federal Radio Education Committee. War of the Worlds, ladies and gentlemen, was broadcast by Mercury Theater on the Air from a microphone in a New York studio of the Columbia Broadcasting System. Council on Foreign Relations member Frank Stanton was a CBS executive. This is typical Bill Cooper. The Princeton Radio Research Project did, in fact, conduct research on the effects of the War of the World broadcast. It did not, however, create the program as an experiment, which is kind of how he phrases it here. And it did not it just did not do that. And by stating the very true fact that the Rockefeller Foundation funded the project, the Princeton Project in 1937, Cooper gives the impression that the Princeton folks 
funded by the Rockefellers, spent a year planning their invasion radio show hoax. That just isn't how it was. And you'll also have to have noticed that he name-dropped the usual conspiratorial bugaboos, not just the Rockefellers, but also the Council on Foreign Relations. Now, Cooper, at this point, does not replay the entire War of the Worlds show again, but rather, and I want to make sure that I'm, I'm clear about this, he reads the script and describes the action, inserting his commentary throughout. This particular bit here of analysis might be my favorite thing that he ever did that didn't involve slandering Bill English and Don Ecker. The announcer breaks off, and a field artillery radio operator is heard. 2X2L calling CQ. 2X2L calling CQ. 2X2L calling CQ. New York, isn't there anyone on the air? Isn't there anyone? 2X, 2L, and then that's the middle break of the broadcast. The double Roman numeral X, which stands for the number 20, X times 2, are 2X, ladies and gentlemen, are espionage code names for a double cross. The fictitious call letters can be interpreted by insiders in the intelligence community to mean double cross to hell. 2X, 2L. Double cross to hell. It all makes perfect sense to me, doesn't it? I should note that all of these Cooper clips have had his excessively long silences removed. What Cooper would do is pat out the running time of his programs in a number of ways. One of those ways Ladies and gentlemen, he would simply pause for long moments of time. For example, that clip you just heard from him, uh, originally that took 80 seconds. Uh, I trimmed it down to 53 seconds just by removing dead air. Now, if I'm being uncharitable, I would suggest that that's when Cooper was drinking uh, during those during those pauses. But uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't suggest that. Uh, nor would I say that I was drinking during those long pauses you just heard, because I forgot to bring anything to drink into the studio with me, which is which is sad. Anyway, um, following all of that, he uh, he comes back. He will come back a bit to the significance of the double cross. He spends about half an hour going into the career history of everyone involved in the Princeton Radio Research Project, all of which culminates in the conclusion that this was all part of a massive propaganda operation to enable the rise of Nazi Germany and propel the United States into war. This also ties into the establishment of the USIA, the U.S. Information Agency, a Cold War project to promote American interests, or less charitably, a Cold War American propaganda outfit. Edward R. Murrow would subsequently be named head of the USIA. Murrow became the propaganda minister for the United States. In effect, America's Joseph Goebbels. Was Hitler's rise to power a psycho-political operation planned and coordinated by members of the Council on Foreign Relations, Institutes of International Affairs, and Institutes of Pacific Relations? Was Hitler's rise to power another double-cross to hell, 2X, 2L, another Council on Foreign Relations experiment in fear? 
And if it was, and ladies and gentlemen, I know absolutely that it was, for they needed a terrible world war to propel the world into a world government under a United Nations. And isn't that treason? I'm not sure, but I think that was all one sentence, and I challenge anybody out there to transcribe that and diagram it for me. Does anybody out there remember diagramming sentences? That was totally still a thing a little bit when I was young. So, of course, he ends up tying all of this back to the broader plan to create a false alien threat in order to unify humanity. Here's his usual rundown of ufology's, I was going to say best and brightest, but out of this list that he mentions, I, I loved Stan Friedman. Um, so he mentions ufology's best and brightest, comma, Stan Friedman, comma, and a bunch of other people. Don't worry, this is the last Bill Cooper clip you will hear today. It is trust in government by good men and women who have given their lives in its service that keeps the real secret from the public eye. And the real secret is that there are no extraterrestrials, ladies and gentlemen. There is, absolutely is, a lot of advanced technology mind control projects and psychological operations. All so-called leaks are intentional misinformation projects designed to promote the alien threat scenario while allowing for complete deniability on the part of the government. The antics of Vicki Cooper Ecker, who is a CIA operative. Donald Francis Ecker III, who is just a dupe. William Moore, Jamie Chandray, Stanton T. Friedman, Bruce Maccabee, who works for the Central Intelligence Agency and the Office of Naval Intelligence, Barry Taff, who is a neuropsychiatric institute of the University of California in Los Angeles, and he works with Dr. Jolyon West, Whitley Strieber, Bud Hopkins, who is a member of the Central Intelligence Agency, John Lear, who is a member of the Central Intelligence Agency, Linda Moulton Howe, who is a member of the Order of the Eastern Star, Art Bell, who is admitted Freemason and a fellow traveler, Glenn Campbell, George Knapp, who is also a Freemason, Colonel Philip Corso, a CIA operative who has just recently died, Richard Hoagland, the so-called alien autopsy film, the face on Mars, which is not there, the National Aeronautics and Space Administration, the so-called Mars media, meteorite, which supposedly contains fossil evidence of life on Mars, but does not at all contain any such evidence, the War of the Worlds, presented by the Mercury Theater on the Air, and many other people and events are all projects of this type. He follows this up with a discussion of President Reagan mentioning the potential of an alien invasion to unite humanity, as do most people uh, when they talk about this topic. He then plays the War of the Worlds broadcast. Yes, again. And he plays it after reading most of the script already. I hadn't really planned to bring up Cooper at all in connection with, uh, with, with UFO radio shows, but... Since some of you brought up War of the Worlds, y'all forced my hand. Uh, this is not my fault. So that's the uh, the bit about Bill Cooper and War of the Worlds that 
I, uh, I I thought would be best saved for something separate from the the radio days episode, mostly because uh, mostly because there are people out there who have a real aversion to Bill Cooper, which I completely understand. So I thought I'd sort of separate Bill Cooper off into his own little his own little radio uh, gulag here. So anyway, thanks for listening. And uh, and be back uh, be back next time ne- next time that coming up is uh, another full on episode of the Saucer Life about um, I don't know yet uh, it's down to one or two things that all depend on factors um, factors have a good day night week life and I will talk to you later. <laughs>